With a car, how does she fit her legs in the car? You jam the Barbies in. Like, they're not really in the cars very well. They don't just sit in the seats comfortably. Not really. No, because the legs are never comfortable on the Barbie yet. Hello. This is Robbie and the Sane and Miraculous podcast. Today, just in the most timely fashion imaginable, we are talking about the Barbenheimer phenomenon. Uh, this is the release of these two movies. I'm not going to talk about it much because once we get to the conversation, I'm going to introduce it all again. Uh, it's going to be me and two special guests who I also introduced at the beginning of the conversation. So there's not much for me to do right now. I'm going to get to the actual conversation very soon, but it's going to be a fun one. It's very fun. I enjoyed editing just now. Before I go into the conversation, I just have to say two things, both of which is just me noticing some something stupid that I did um, and preemptively pointing it out so that you don't point it out, I suppose, or whatever. Making sure that you know that I know how dumb I was in those moments. So one, I put, uh, there's a moment where I'm introducing the movies and I and I uh, I put one in the blue corner and one in the red corner. And I should definitely have put Bobby in the pink corner, which I feel sad about that missed opportunity. And then the other thing, this is whatever, this is a random story. So Margot Robbie, her last name is the same as my first name. But for some reason... Early on in her career, when she first popped up, I got it into my head that her name was pronounced differently, and it was pronounced Roby, not Robbie. And I just have always pronounced it like that, and even gone to the extent of like I've heard people pronouncing it the other way, the normal way, the way you pronounce my name, and felt like those idiots. They they don't know, you know, they haven't heard anyone talk about her or heard her talk about herself or whatever. So I just had this whole idea in my mind about um, how you pronounce that name. Then during the conversation, uh, I pronounced it in the way that I thought it was pronounced. And everybody else, uh, Porcelli and Lindsay, spoiler, that's who the other people in the call are, were pronouncing it in the regular way. And afterwards, I went and looked it up and I was just wrong. I've just been living a lie this whole time and you pronounce her second name the same way you pronounce my name. So I don't know why you would care about any of that, but welcome to my internal world. I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm just going to bring you a conversation about Barbenheimer. I'm here with uh, Michael Porcelli. I don't know what I just said. You said Sugoi. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll have to look it up, which means you'll have to figure out how to spell it. Um, okay. I'm here. Hello, everybody. So I'm here with uh, my good friend, Michael Porcelli, who Yo. if you all have been um, following along to the podcast, you will recognize his voice and um, mellifluous presence, if that's the word. Mellifluous <laughs> presence uh and joining us special guest first time ever on the pod is my wife Lindsay chrysler yeah hi hi everybody we felt like we needed a, a female perspective here because we're going to be talking about oppenheimer <laughs> <laughs> and so we, you know it's just good to have a woman here for that let's get in trouble as soon as possible with gendered stuff like let's just I mean, we're 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 heading there, so yeah, we're yeah. heading there soon, like the bomb countdown. Exactly, we're talking about this kind of ridiculous, ludicrous phenomena that showed up July of this year, twenty twenty three, where 
both the uh, superficially billed as a kind of uh, bubblegum, silly, uh, fun summer movie, Bobby, uh, but directed by indie darling Greta Gowig, which kind of makes you immediately go, eh, is this going to be bubblegum fun uh, summer pop movie or is it going to be something else? So that's in the in the blue corner. And then in the red corner, uh, Christopher Nolan, you know, whatever, serious, serious uh, movie lover, darling. I don't know what you say about Christopher Nolan. He's like a big deal or to one of the last. So serious. Very serious. Movie beast. Movie beast just kind of hasn't made a bad movie, uh, I don't think. Poor Charlie makes a face because he's got bad ideas about Inception, but um <laughs> but <laughs> Nolan has not made a bad movie, in my opinion. Anyway, he's he's you know, everybody loves him. He's very, very uh interesting director making this very serious movie about the the maybe the most serious thing that's ever happened. And so and they were both they both came out on the same day, and everybody on the internet got very excited about that. And I would not uh, necessarily have wanted to make a podcast. And we, we, you know, all three of us have seen both movies, obviously. Lindsay and I went to see them both together. I would not have thought about making a podcast about this movie, except that um, watching them, I found that there was a lot of interesting things to say about them. It wasn't just a kind of silly cultural moment where these this big contrast happened, but both movies are very interesting in very different ways. And so mm-hmm. we thought that we would get together and have a conversation about them. And here we are. Barbenheimer, what's it called? Barbenheimer, yeah. I think, you know, there are variations, but I think that's the one that stuck. You know, before the end of this conversation, I think it would be fun to... They, they got sort of stuck together just because of the scheduling and whatever. But like, you know, that sort of primes my mind to kind of try to find ways that they fit together. So if there's a mm-hmm. way to talk a little bit about that in here, that'd be fun too. Great. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll finish with that. Anything else about the the kind of phenomena before we dive into, into this, the individual movies? I think it sort of represented a major return to theaters to like pre pandemic times. Mm. And that was sort of fun to be a part of that, like a part of the cultural moment, something that I'd missed for years, but like going to opening weekends to big movies or big directors I want to see and kind of like being part of a crowd, kind of having a shared experience was, it had been a really long time and it was really fun to be a part of that. Yeah. We've been starting to see movies in the theater again. And, but this felt like we kind of wait until the crowds have dispersed, but this felt like we got to see it now. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, we did three in three weeks. We did Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and Bobby. And Oppenheimer and Bobby were both just packed. Yeah. So here's the structure of the of the of this uh, conversation. Just so you all listening know, we're going to do... First, we're going to talk about Bobby. And then we're going to talk about Oppenheimer. And then at the end, we might try and find kind of some thematic connection. And within each movie, there is going to be... We're going to begin with a non-spoiler section. And then at some point, I'm going to say, okay, now we're going into spoilers so that uh, you don't have to listen to the spoilers if you haven't seen the movies yet. There'll be time codes in the description so you can jump to the relevant section. And I would say this is probably just going to be way more fun if you have seen the movies. So, So I would recommend go see the movies and come back and finish listening if you haven't already. But if you want some encouragement to see the movies, maybe you listen to the non-spoiler section. Hello. 
editing Robbie here. The thing that original recording Robbie just said is not true. We did follow that structure for Bobby, so we stop Bobby with a non-spoiler conversation, and then we move into spoilers with Oppenheimer. We're just begin with spoilers, do spoilers all the way through. Just a heads up. So we're going to start with the Bobby, no spoilers. What's up with Bobby? I want to hear you say some stuff first, Lindsay. What's up with Barbie? I loved it. I loved it. I loved Barbie. I know that it's very problematic movie. I know that, yeah, I can't say anything about the end. We're in non-spoilers. Um, uh, but I just loved it. The How old was I when I was playing with Barbie? The seven-year-old in me that got to see Barbie as a person, just delighted. And I have a huge crush on Ryan Gosling. Who doesn't? And I thought it was incredibly well cast. I thought it was super fun. I thought the set was amazing. I love the dance scenes. I love choreographed dance. I mean, that movie, the first half was for me. Mm -hmm. And the second half was incredibly problematic, which I'm sure you guys will go into great detail. And I also love that everyone was wearing pink at the movie theater. It was like you said at the beginning, Porch that it was an event. It was an event. Women went to the movies and I have not had a movie in my friend group that anyone has been talking about for years. I don't remember the last time any of my friends were talking about a movie. I only hear about movies from my hub. So it was totally a cultural moment. And I, I was, I have not laughed out loud at a movie in like that in so long. I don't remember the last time I was laughing out loud so frequently. Yeah. I laughed out many times. There was like a great sense of humor to it. And it was like this something like just a fun, playful silliness to it all. And it was just really enjoyable. I thought it was hysterically funny uh, in places. There was multiple jokes that I was cracking up. Fair very enough. silly, very kind of uh, astute observational bits about, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's this is spoilers, but there's there's like there's like a, a, a man showing his girlfriend uh, the Godfather and like <laughs> and we were in the middle of watching the Godfather actually while when this happened. So it was like there was stuff like that that was just like there was a guy learning uh, a language on his little app that was like, I'm doing that all the time. So like I felt seen by some of the things that they where they were uh, some of the things they were showing about men. That was And you both have. So much of that Casa Mojo vibes going on and with your setups right now. Like if if the podcast listeners could see, I am in, I'm in the Mojo Dojo Casa of, of Robbie and Porch's um, mic setup. Yes. Desk setup. All the humor about men basically fit. Yeah, totally. I agree. It was pretty funny. Moments where as a man, I sort of feel like, oh, you know, like, mm. But we'll talk a little bit well, more. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then then the dark underbelly of Barbie <laughs> was revealed. And it was very uncomfortable for all of us that have any kind of appreciation for men. So before going into that, just to think of a good entree to like a non-spoiler section on my end would be to sort of think about my expectations going in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a lot of movies recently that are about like products, like video games or other things like Beanie Babies or whatever. And it's, a, it's an interesting and weird moment. And like, you know, thinking that you could you could just do something sort of like straightforwardly what it is, I guess, or just tell the story about, you know, the, you know, the the Blackberry product or something. But, you know, because Barbie, I mean, I can't think of a time when there wasn't Barbie sort of discourse happening just growing up, you know, right at church. Mm. Barbies were basically forbidden, you know, from the little girls. I don't think my sister ever really had one. They were kind of on the bad toy list. 
And then in my college years, hearing the sort of like feminist anti-Barbie discourse at that time. So, and then thinking like, well, there's no way you can kind of get away from that. And then knowing Greta Gerwig is doing it, the the question is really going to be like how she goes about doing that. So I was coming in expecting there to be some thematic complexity, some unavoidable political commentary or messaging or some kind of point to it all. And like, that's, and I, and I was kind of coming into the movie going like, well, let's see how they do it. Like, let's see how well or how poorly it kind of goes. And so I was definitely primed in that way going into it. Like, I think it was unavoidable to be primed in that way. There's no way I can think of Barbie, the product without thinking about all the cultural discourse about the product itself before going in. So, you know, and it didn't disappoint in that way. It definitely tackled that stuff head on. Yeah. Like the Lego movie doesn't have the same, no, <laughs> the same kind of charge, but I think you could have made a movie that was just, I mean, they've been making Bobby movies for years, right? Like as Cinderella and as like, whatever, like there's a bunch of animated Bobby movies that they've been, sure. you know, shitting out. I don't know if they're any good, but like, you know, just, just in this kind of corporate, you know, toy merchandise way that people make media. Um, but where I don't think they address it, I mean, I haven't seen any of them, but my my sense is that it's not, that's not what they're about. They're just about the fantasy unexamined. They're, right. a, they're a modernist version of the story. Sure. So, yeah, but yes, but, you know, you see Greta Gerwig and, and you see, you know, the trailer that was the um, 2001 reference and you go okay this is gonna be that was what got me excited i saw the trailer and i was like okay let's go like this is wild (laughs) i think i just let's just get into spoilers yeah i'm ready so um it sucked (laughs) spoiler it starts off great and then it sucks at the end um no i don't know if it sucks it i so so the plot, like I, I'm just going to do the very uh, brief overview of the plot. Like If you've seen it, you know, and if you haven't, you should not be listening because you go see it. Um, so, you know, Bobby's in Bobby world and uh, everything's, you know, the, the, the mundane world, which is her mundane world, which is this kind of magical, utopic feminist uh, paradise where all the Bobbies are just having a grand old time doing what they're doing. And then the Kens are kind of a little bit miserable and a little bit like sidekicks that don't really know what they're doing with their lives. And um, and then kind of central character Bobby, Margot Robbie, uh, starts to... Well, what happens is her heels touch the ground, which is fucking brilliant. I mean, the thing where she she takes off her shoes and she's still with the, in, in the heel high heel position there on tiptoes uh, is hilarious. And then, and then her heels touch the ground, which is this kind of like... And everybody's horrified and they're like, your heels touch the ground. And so this kind of leads her into, you know, to go into the other world. And the other world is kind of our everyday regular human world. And so she and Ken go to the, the, the human world to find the, the person that's playing with Bobby, who's obviously having some problems, which is why Bobby is becoming, you know, um, whatever, is, ha- is having her own problems. Malfunctioning, right. Malfunctioning. Uh, and the other yeah. thing she's having is like she's having kind of thoughts of death, right, which is the other very funny gag that bobby's so funny whatever think about death in the middle of like this big dance number (laughs) like this is like needle scratch and everybody's staring at her like what are you talking about (laughs) which you know this all is like kind of like hitting your 30s it's kind of like in your 20s you're beautiful and your body works and you don't think about death and then in your 30s some things start to you know just slightly head south and you start thinking about death so there's something like that right 
but so then she goes into the real world to try and find the person who's playing with her. There's some subplot about Mattel as a company, which is in there, and it just doesn't make sense, and it's annoying, and it's, <laughs> I, I just don't, you know. But that's also in there. Uh, Will Ferrell is just always very funny, but his character doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and so while she's searching for the 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 person that's playing with her, can discovers the patriarchy, then discovers that in the real world men are in charge and then that's very funny and he has a whole sequence where he's running around kind of enjoying or trying to to reap the the benefits of the patriarchy and then everybody goes back uh to barbie world and they oh they find the this mother and daughter who are the ones playing with barbie we think it's the daughter it turns out it's the mom uh and the daughter hates barbie and she kind of has a diatribe about it we go back to uh barbie world ken has instituted the patriarchy brought it back suddenly the all of the kens are in charge uh, is that what they call it kendom the kendom yeah Ken, the kendom and they've kind of thrown the bobbies out of their houses and instituted the mojo what's it called them the casa casa mojo dojo so anyway and and so you know and it's this kind of ridiculous whatever these these men kind of having a, having a good time and and doing the patriarchy and so this is you know the act to like uh crisis is Oh no! Like the the patriarchy's here, and the men are gonna do this vote, and there's like some political thing where the men are gonna overthrow the the women political leaders. And, and all so the Barbies on. have become like zombie, sort of like that's right. by the patriarchy. That's right. The Kens have convinced all the Barbies that the patriarchy I... is a good idea. Yeah, and so all of the Barbies are kind of yeah are are in this like subservient kind of you know uh, the whatever the MRA version of what. Men want women to look like, right? Me a Brewski um, bear. And yeah, I know you're so smart and I'm so dumb and like all of that, right? And so then there's like a little rebel cadre of Barbies, including uh weird Barbie who's very funny, uh Kate McKinnon, who's like has her hair has been colored in the sculpted and her legs have been split open and stuff. And they kind of they hatch a plan, and the plan is what's the plan? The plan is just to re- remind all the, the brainwashed Barbies that they're you know that they're queens and that they they're boss bitches and that they they're in charge and and so they do that they overthrow the cans and then uh ken has this moment of like main ken like ryan gosling ken has this moment of realizing um that he is kenuff which is also very funny um and you know and kind of having a little bit of like uh you know an epiphany and and that he was like basing all his life around bobby and then he was and then he did this patriarchy thing, which was anti-Bobby, and that really there's something in between, which is not even in relationship to Bobby, but is just like about him, right? Which is like a, kind of a nice arc, and it's like the kind of arc that you get in a lot of movies, and a little bit hinting at where my uh, critiques of the plot come in here. And then Bobby, and so then, you know, the, and then the patriarchy is overthrown, the matriarchy is reinstated. Uh, the president, Bobby, says that the basically we're not going to try to do some kind of unification or integration of these two things and try and find a place for the Cans in society. They will go back to their original place and everything will continue as it was at the beginning. Uh, and then regular Bobby decides for reasons which are in no way clear and, uh, and are cheaply motivated by this sequence of kind of babies and, and children playing and then people getting old and dying. Uh, to she's she's kind of decides that she wants to be human, and so then she goes to the human world and becomes a human for no reason at all. 
Uh, and <laughs> then the, the you know, and then there's this great punchline where she goes to the gynecologist. We think she's applying for a job and she's going to get it and it's going to be great, but really she's going to the gynecologist and it's like, right, being human is a pain in the ass and you have to go to the gynecologist. Um, so that's the plot, more or less. Anything like super important that I missed there before I get into my complaints? Well, I think the plot, one of the funny parts in the plot at the end, which was the, it wasn't totally, I think you're a little bit off. It wasn't totally, we're, we're just going to fully restore the way it was before. It's like, we're going to kind of go back to the whatever Barbie land as dominated by the Barbies. And we're going to like, let the Kens do a little bit more something, right? Like, yeah. but they can't be on the Supreme court. You know, there's a little joke yeah. in there. You know, it's like, but they can be like mid-level judges or something. And you're just like, yeah. okay, well, there's a little kind of, you know, dig at current events in there. But uh, yeah, it's not fully. That's right. It's not, fu- but it's not fully integrated either. It's not like, oh, we're a world of equals. It's sort of like, you know, Ken is like, oh, no. I guess I don't need to obsess about Barbie. I can like, I can be enough and not feel like the only way my life has meaning is if Barbie looks at my direction, you know? That's right. That's So you're right. It, it's, it's kind of 95% back to where it was with just like a little bit of like, well, ah, okay, maybe we need to make a little bit of room. You know, which is clearly a comment, right? Like on, and there's a, there's a line earlier on where uh, Ken's trying to get a job. And so this is kind of getting into politics. I do want to do my story kind of analysis part first, but so maybe we'll come back to this. So let me just do the story part. And then, and then uh, before we get into more of the politics. So my main complaint, and I, and I thought it was brilliant. Like I was joking when I said it's like, I, I think I feel very mixed about it. I think it's brilliant and deeply flawed. That's how yeah. I feel about it. Yeah. Brilliant and deeply flawed. And yeah. so, you know, we've talked a lot about the brilliance and Lindsay, I think you kind of ran down very well, the things that are great about it. And I agree with you about all the things that are great about it. Problem, my main problem with it is the plot. And my, my problem with the plot is that they set up this thematic thing, which is that it's about Bobby's wrestling with mortality essentially right and 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 finitude and limitation and humanity right she's perfect but then she falls from perfection and so the story starts out being about that and she goes off to try and figure out what's going on and that's you know but then her antagonist and the forces of antagonism are not about that like if ken had been if if Ken as the villain, right? Ken's the villain of the antagonist, right? If Ken had been criticizing Bobby for her flaws, like what? Oh, this is gross. Your heels are on the floor. You have cellulite. Why are you bumming everyone out talking about death? Right? That is an appropriate antagonist for the thematic arc of the main character, right? Mm-hmm. Like if what the main character is about is reckoning with limitation and and humanity versus right like that's the theme that's set up is perfection versus humanity and and but then this other whole thing comes in which is about patriarchy and about you know men versus women in this war of the sexist stuff and that becomes what the movie's about and the climax the the, the act two like bummer at the kind of bottom of act two is is about the the men the patriarchy have come in and then the resolution the big battle is about the the women the, the bobbies kind of unbrainwashing themselves and and casting the men out and reclaiming their thing so it's like it starts off being a story about one thing 
and it finishes being a story about something else. And Barbie has nothing to do with that that second story. Like Barbie doesn't really care about the patriarchy. She doesn't really care about the matriarchy. And then it finishes with Barbie like completing her arc, which is she decides to become human. But it's like I said, you know, it, it's completely unmotivated. Like there's not like we don't see why she would make that choice in any real way. She, it's not that she had a battle with the antagonist and, and that that came to this kind of resolution or this, this conclusion. She just, the, the writers just go, well, let's just put some babies crying and, and old people and, and everyone in the audience will weep and then we'll be like, yeah, being human is great. And then she'll choose to be human. And so her story is weak and Ken's story is strong. <laughs> Like yeah. Ken's story is so much stronger, right? Like Ken, you know, as 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 the antagonist, like he has this arc that makes sense, that's thematically connected, right? Like I, you know, I already described it, but like he starts off being kind of bummed out about Bobby World and like all he wants is Bobby, but she's kind of ignoring him and she's not that into him. And then he realizes, like, oh, he fuck her. I'm just gonna do my own thing. And that's this kind of, you know, counter thing. And then he it's thesis synthesis how do you say synthesis antithesis and synthesis and then he has the synthesis which is like both of those are reactive to bobby and actually what what's most important is that i connect myself that's a that story like just joined up from beginning to end and so i just think it was confused and weak about that so that is my biggest critique i think overall you're right there isn't a logic to the plot that makes any sense from one thing to the next it's sort of switch it for a little brief bit the mattel ceo executives are are the uh bad guys for no apparent reason and then and then uh at the at the end you're totally right like her her desire to be a, a real girl is or, or go back to the real world is sort of unmotivated she doesn't even have a good time i was i was kind of expecting like oh but the the plot of the like oh barbie's going to the regular world and now it's going to get really interesting and it really didn't. It was just a, a several gags, and then they just go back to Barbie Land. And actually, the, the plot that is important is almost all in Barbie Land. Mm-hmm. So that sort of leaves her n- with no clear motivation to want to become a real girl, I guess. I mean, it, I suppose with the exception of the the mom character sort of saying like, hey, why can't we have like a normal Barbie or the regular Barbie, you know? And I think there is something about Barbie wanting to like choose a mortal life because it's just limited i guess you're sort of left with like very sort of abstract like philosophical reasoning you know it's like okay it's like the you know the the immortal person choosing to i was reminded of like Liv tyler in the lord of the rings like her mm. arwen's like i just gotta choose a mortal life but she's doing it for love and she, barbie's not doing it for any reason right she's just right wanting to do it to be real right that bit character in lord of the rings that's barely in it Right. It's like super like a, a third tier character in the story yeah. is way better motivated and tells that exact same story in like right. 10 minutes of screen time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. you know, yeah, my, my pushback a little bit would be, um, so I've, I've, I've changed my opinions about this movie several in several different ways. And like, I, I'm really surprised at how like stimulating it's been for me mm-hmm. to think about in many different phases and angles. But one of them was this plot one where I just let go of like, okay, the plot. I mean, some movies are about the plot and some movies that are sort of setting up like the logic of the plot and it needs to make sense according to the internal rules of it. Like, like uh inception and then violates its own rules. Like I'm like, okay, that doesn't work. Right. Cause it's, it's sort of selling you this idea that there's a plot logic, but like this really just is 
it's a series of skits almost. It it really is like somebody playing with Barbies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now Barbie's gonna whatever, and okay, cool. And now we're just gonna Barbie's gonna do this now, and then it's like, okay, we're gonna get on the rocket <laughs> ship, and now we're gonna go exactly. over here. We're gonna get on the yeah, like right. really use all these sort vehicles. Of, mm-hmm. In the end, it kind of doesn't really matter that much. I mean, I get that it doesn't make the plot good, right? But like if I just sort of accept that this movie is not really a plot movie, you know, and then just say, okay, cool. Like for stories that don't really care that much about plot, is it fun? And it's sort of like, okay, so then it's just like a scary, a series of skits where those skits are thematic and, you know, they are sort of barely hanging together with any kind of plot logic between them. And then it works. But because the plot starts going off, the movie starts going off the rails. The it the movie really starts going downhill as they get as the plot gets weaker and weaker. Like the second half was so much less mm-hmm. enjoyable than the first half for me. I you know wasn't laughing out loud. I was like, oh god, Barbie's sad. With like the the moment that it really turned for me was when Amanda mm-hmm. Ferreira, the mom, does her monologue. I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. <laughs> Oh no, this is so not good. This is not a good monologue. And then they're reprogramming the Barbies. And then, and I, I didn't realize the Mattel thing was so off, but now it feels so off. When I think about the movie and I think about the Mattel plotline, that is so forced and so weird. And we were in Barbie world and it was funny. And then it got, it just, I, I think the plot going off the rails makes the second half of the movie is just so problematic. Yes, I, I, I agree. And just to say, but I want to come back to the monologue because I think the monologue is is a good launching point for the, the political side of things. But yeah, the Mattel stuff, the, like the problem with the Mattel stuff is they set up these this these rules, which is that in Barbie land, everybody's weird and cartoonish. And then there's a real world and we go to the real world. But then the main people we interact with in the real world are these cartoonish Mattel guys that are not, like it would have been so much more interesting if the Mattel guys had been real Mattel. If they were gonna go to Mattel, it should have just been like really normal, real life people. And the cartoonish people are in the Barbie world, and in the real that world, would have been cool, realistic. I mean, I think just skip the Mattel part entirely. But the fact that they, it just broke the rules that Mattel was that, also yeah, that's true. World. Because when they're when they're going down the um, Venice Beach, you get the really creepy feeling of like, oh gosh, Barbie Land was fun. And this yeah. world is scary and I you feel the difference. And that's the the best part of the movie is the kind of 10 minutes where they're just in the real world just the 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 fish out of water thing. Like totally. that definitely works the best and they sh- definitely should have done more of that and they just didn't and instead they put her back into when she's in Mattel world she's not a fish out of water like she, everybody is as weird as her. Right. So, and then Porch is right that they go back so fast. Like they just yeah. And then they're like back on the rocket ship back. And you're like, wait, we're already going back and it's not hard to go back. This is bizarre. Right. Right. And so, and to, to say about the plot, like I agree that I think it, it, the movie loses energy as the plot, as we lose the thread of that we started with. Right. And, but, and, and what I would say actually Porch, to, to the kind of thing you said is I want to make a distinction between plot and story. Like I actually think that you, it doesn't really, not every movie needs a plot and, you know, and I think you, if Inception has problems, Inception has problems with the plot. Like I, let's not get into that. But like, sure. that's a plot problem. <laughs> but story is different, and and I think I don't really. I'm not that interested in watching a movie that doesn't have a story. And 
because for me, story is the is the way that a movie says something. Mm-hmm. And this movie wanted to say something, and it failed to say it with its story. And instead, and when that happens, instead it tries to put what it's saying directly in the mouths of the characters, and yes. that just feels like you're being beat over the head, and it's and it's dumb, and it's obnoxious, and it's patronizing. And so then we come to the the monologue where rather than saying that with the story, they right. put this obnoxious monologue in the in the mouth of the the mom character. And 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 I, I want to say something about the monologue, and I'm actually going to insert a clip here and hope I don't get in trouble because it reminded me so much. So Michelle Wolf at the correspondence dinner, uh, yes. when Trump just, got it was just like that. It yes. was that right, like so Trump gets elected, and Michelle Wolf, this comedian, uh, that has a monologue at the correspondent, the White House correspondence dinner. That's about it's the same monologue, but it's mm-hmm. it's one of the greatest fucking pieces of performance that's ever been recorded. It's just like. Hello, editing Robbie here. A correction. It's not from the White House Correspondence Dinner. Michelle Wolf did do a famous speech at the White House Correspondence Dinner where she kind of taught Trump and co apart. The monologue that we're referring to in the conversation is not from that. It's from her HBO special, Nice Lady. So uh, we were confused about that. I'm going to play a short clip from that now. I think it's absolutely brilliant. You should go watch the whole thing on HBO, Nice Lady. Here is a brief clip of Michelle Wolf. And even if we do try to have it all, even if a woman out there definitely wants it all, we've put up too many obstacles in your way to make it possible. It's like, oh, congratulations, you're having a baby? Great, couple things. We're gonna need you to get that car accident of a body back to work as soon as possible because this is America and we don't think you need time to recover. Also, you should breastfeed, it's what's best for the baby, but don't do it in public, you pig. Do it in the old janitor's closet underneath the bridge with the rest of the breastfeeding trolls. And don't ask to take time off from work when your kids are sick, we'll think you're not dedicated. Also, why are you such a bad mom? By the way, your salary is just enough to cover the cost of childcare. And we know you're exhausted, you don't really know who you are anymore, you're trying to balance your old life and your new life, but quick, go have sex with your husband, he's about to leave, he doesn't understand what you're going through quick go now and sweetie smile it's spectacular it makes me cry i mean every time i watch it it's just like it's exhilarating it's hilarious it's cutting and it has this mic drop ending that just makes you go like it's so fucking good and then you get the bobby monologue that uh, is just like it's it's trying it's to do the insulting same thing to women. I mean, it's it, supposed to be empowering, and it's totally insulting. I'm like, do you like this is supposed to represent who I am and my struggles? You are not transmitting the actual struggle of being a woman in a man's world. Like, ah, it's such a letdown. I was so disappointed. I thought it was so crap. I'm glad you're saying that. I mean, I, I, I can imagine some women really resonating with it. I mean, I see it on social media. like Women they, they, who are just like, repeating what they're hearing, but not yeah. women who are actually like feeling what the real thing is. Like it was so like, it was like what women are supposed to think. It's like the thing that is being fed. I just can't believe that that's like, we're still putting that out there in this supposed to be like female empowerment movie. Yeah, yeah. And Greta I, Gerwig, come on. Like you, you know how to reinvent you know how to like infuse things with something else. There's like an Instagram, stupid feminist, not feminist monologue. (laughs) Yeah. 
there, there is a, ver- there is a version like, just to sort of maybe speak more broadly. Maybe here's where we get into a little bit of trouble. Like mm-hmm. there, there's, yeah, a, there's a version trouble. of the story when you're trying to like create like social activism. Right. And there's a way that some of the, the stories or the themes or the things that people say are sort of simplified and they don't really capture all the nuance, but it really is sort of like, it's like a banner. It gets kind of reduced down to a hashtag sometimes like hashtag me too. And there's power in sort of consolidating it. You know what I mean? Like, like born sure. yesterday or whatever, like, sure. and you're just like, okay, that's the whole thing. Right. Or it's, you know, it's, it's something we can kind of unify behind, but in the end, when it sort of stays that way, right. And it doesn't get fully like unpacked. It becomes, it can become, I should say for some people, like a self-perpetuating victim. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. kind of like, it's like, well, you know, I, <laughs> when it comes to battle of the sexes or feminism and this kind of thing, like my, my way of putting it, like I hear what you're saying. Like it's, it sounds disempowering to women. I'm like, yeah, I agree T- to me. I think of it as like, there's a, there's a simplistic version of this kind of historically oppressive patriarchy, which I think just gives men too much credit, which is like, you know, it, we weren't really that smart enough to like manipulate everything in the whole world to our advantage like we just put one over on like all the women for like thousands of years like we got them you know what i mean it's like and they 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 do actually mock this in the movie a little bit where ryan gosling's kind of cruising around going like cool give me a job because i'm a man and like the doctor woman is like no you know so so there is i don't think greta gerwig was not aware that she was kind of like poking a little bit at that cartoonish version of the patriarchy as like okay, it's not really that simple, you know, but, you know, yeah. you know, Robbie pointed out, you pointed out to me and we talked about it, like they kind of back that out when he talks to the other guy, he's like, right. Hey, you're doing the patriarchy wrong. And yeah, exactly. Like he, yeah. So the, and there's also a problem with the doctor scene where he goes to the hospital and he's trying to be a doctor and it's very funny. And this woman's like, well, you know, you can't be a doctor. You need a degree or whatever, you know? And right. then he says, well, let me speak to a doctor. Which is this classic trope, right? Like it's you know, there's even like a riddle that's like uh, you know where the gag is the woman, the doctor was a woman, right? And it's like this classic trope of like men assuming that women can't be doctors, right, or can't right. be in those kind of professions. But it doesn't make sense for Ken because Ken's lived his whole life in Barbie world where all of the doctors were women. So like you know, there's no I coherence s- there, right? Like Bo- Ken would assume that the women are the doctors and that the men are something else. Because the women have all the professions in Barbie Land. In Barbie Land, the men don't do anything. Yeah, right. they beach, which is very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> I beach. I beach. <laughs> then he goes to another man. He's like, "You're not doing patriarchy very well." And the guy's like, "No, we are. We just had to get a little bit more sophisticated." Which I think is, you know, that the ending is the is the Barbie saying, "Well, we're going to do matriarchy. We're just going to get a little bit more sophisticated, right? We're just going to. This is going to be an exact mirror of of the of the real world." But just to say, like. I, you know, you kind of talked about like the nuance, right? Like this, this kind of feminism and the, 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 the war of the sexes or however you want to frame it. But like this, the thing that it thematically turns towards halfway through and that this is such a potentially nuanced thing. There's so many interesting and powerful things to say about this and the monologue doesn't do it. And you're kind of saying like, well, you know, sometimes this gets reduced to a slogan or or a catchphrase or whatever. But I just want to come back to this point about like the way that you do nuance in a movie is not by having the characters say more nuanced things. It's by having the story 
be more nuanced is by having the different characters that represent different uh, points on the kind of thematic spectrum each have a point. And so that's how you do nuance in a story. And But they didn't even start telling that story until halfway through and they never really started. So it's like, again, I think if if they wanted to say something about this patriarchy and, and feminism, they, there's there's a lot to be said about it, but you have to tell that story. So I'm going to push back here, I think. Let me, let me okay. see. Like, I'm, I'm not totally 100% behind what I'm going to say, but I'm going to, you know, for the sake of like making this exciting, let's see. <laughs> so uh, the question to me is like, if if I let go of like overall plot coherence, so I'm kind of in postmodern storytelling, like, okay, that doesn't matter. And it's like a Barbie, you know, where you can kind of like, okay, now, now here's Ken, who's like, let me talk to a doctor. Now here's Ken, you're doing patriarchy all wrong. It sort of doesn't matter that like that's the same Ken or like the logic of his experience makes any sense between the two. What matters is that like, we're gonna like impressionistically like dab a little situation that gives you some facet of this nuance, right? And the question is, does it, it when it's said and done all kind of stack up to something where the, where the nuance is conveyed overall? And I would say it kind of is, I mean, if I, I talked to my sister. I'm like, hey, how was that Barbie movie for you? She's like, it was good. I'm like, what did you think the message was? Well, it's kind of like, you know, like too much patriarchy bad, you know, too much matriarchy bad. And, you know, we got to like find a happy middle. And I'm like, okay, well, if it works for regular audiences that like the sum total of the like, it's nuanced actually does get through, through a series of sketches that like in and of themselves are coherent, but not none of them sort of make a logical coherent plot overall. It's fine. It sort of works as a vehicle for that theme. But I would say your sister is exhibiting the classic Porcelli family tendency of sure. bringing, bringing something to the movie that is not in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take my sister out of it for a second. Just say like, if, if she's an avatar for an audience, it kind of goes like, hey, in the end, it, it they are saying something kind of nuanced here. And, you know, if I plug into the online discourse, there definitely is that voice out there, which is kind of like, no, it's not this man-hating thing because X, Y, Z reason. And, you know, they are kind of criticizing this Barbie land, whatever you want to call it, authoritarian, fascistic world, right? It's criticizing that, right? Like, I, I, that's not in the movie, right? Like, the, the closest that comes to criticizing the, that stuff in the movie is the, the teenage girl has right. this kind of rant about how Bobby is like the put feminism back by 50 years and she's worse than Hitler or whatever. Like she's a fascist anyway. Right. And, and you can read that as, Oh, this girl is kind of being hyperbolic, you know, yeah. that she's, and that she softens a little like, like, Oh, that critique is hyperbolic and it's too far. And she softens a little bit later on. And and then she's on board with Bobby and realizes that Bobby's cool, right? So the closest you get to any kind of critique, well, I don't even know, but none of that's a critique of Bobby Land. Like, that, what's the what's the actual right? Like, I guess that would be it, right? Sorry, I, I confused myself. So if you take her literally, then there's a critique of Bobby Land in there. The like, oh, this is put feminism back fifty years, and you're a fascist. Yeah, but. She by the end of the again story by the end of the movie she's on board with Bobby Land she's helping the Bobbies deep deprogram and she's cheering Reclaim on power yeah yeah and and there's nothing in the movie that shows that there's anything wrong with the matriarchy like the the utopic feminist matriarchy in 
in the movie is is just coded as being the good right. thing. But, sure. But she does leave. She does leave that matriarchy because she wants to be real. Right, but they don't, if she'd, yeah, and I've said, like, if she said, this matriarchy is not working for me, like, oh, when the president says, no, the Kens can't be on the Supreme Court. Right, right, And Barbie goes, wait a second, you guys are missing the point here. Shit, I'm going to have to go to the real world where at least there's a chance of change and evolution and growth because this shit, but but that's not in the movie. In the movie, the reason she goes to the real world is because of a montage of babies and old people. Like it's not so again, like if you if you want to tell that story, you gotta put it in the movie. Well, they kind of told now I'm kinda like, mm, maybe they did tell a story. I mean, you're talking me into an opposite opinion, <laughs> actually. I'm like, well, she did kind of like she helped her sisters. It's all about sisters, right? It's all about females working together. And then she helps the sisters reestablish the matriarchy. And then she wants to go with these real people to the real world where she felt things because she liked feeling things. And then I'm like, well, maybe that is a good message for women because we're taught like, oh, we should look like Barbie and we're playing with these Barbies. And like, we should have a boyfriend like Ken and we need to look like this blonde woman and this blonde guy needs to be our boyfriend. And and then they go to the real world and feel all of these things and dismantle everything. And then she chooses the real world, which I think... Now that I think about it, that's what I wanted the movie to be about. I wanted the movie to be about, like, my childhood was right, and, like, playing with Barbies was good, and the growth of my life is about not being perfect and not being about in the beauty standards and not having the perfect boyfriend and being with my sisters. So they should have told that story. That's a great story. The story you just described story. is an amazing story. It started out, the movie started out being that story. I was very excited to, to experience that story. They didn't finish telling that story. They, they, so yeah. You have, you have high standards, Robbie, and I respect your high standards and like, I appreciate it. And in this, it, it's like I'm of two minds on, you know, on the one hand, I'm on board with your thing, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, like it, it is incoherent. And in a way, they don't like the story itself does not demonstrate these takeaways that we're talking about in a clean way or in a clear way or whatever. I'm like, it does not add up. But and I think this is the thing where I kind of this is my second point of view is like it it ends up working. It, it, It ends up being that that is the takeaway for a huge amount of the audience. Like the thing. That Lindsay just said ends up being people the women especially kind of like walk away from it going like yay sisterhood and yay playing with barbies was great and yay i gotta be a real woman and not a barbie woman and the real world and real feelings are important and there was enough of that sort of in a illogical you might say but who Mm -hmm. cares doesn't have to be logical right i mean who doesn't need to be logical it doesn't it's just in your like is it really in there i'm like i think it's if there's a huge population of people that watch that thing and they come away with that thing you know it didn't it didn't successfully create that thing for you robbie no, I'm I'm a, I'm a go harder than that. <laughs> I don't care if it successfully created like it successfully like, created it for a lot of people. It did work. It worked. 
Yeah, but you know, a lot of things work for a lot of people. Fast X Furious works for a lot of people. Sure. All that's what I'm saying is this is about robbing their in your standards. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're doing art criticism here, right? So I have I have critiques. And and it it worked for a lot of people. It's not a rebut to any of my critiques, even if it did. Um Did it work for a lot of people, Porch? I don't even know. Like I have one friend that saw it and she said, Hey, it was okay. I mean, it made a billion dollars. Like it did. It, oh, so it yeah. did work for it. Did work. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. It it entertained I, a lot of people, and a lot of people saw it, and a lot of people were happy about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's such a bummer. You're gonna say more things, Porch, but it's such a bummer that they couldn't have just gotten one more thing right about that movie, which is just to have a little more love for the Ken at the end. Like, just like really, can't can't we be strong, sister women? going to the gynecologist and being hot and like, can't we also love the men and give them a Casa Mojo dojo? And like, like the, the last, like it, we are all so in love with Ryan Gosling throughout that entire movie through thick and thin, like no matter what he does, we all love him. He's, there is no wrong note of Ryan Gosling in that movie. And really Margot Robbie doesn't see that just for like a minute at the end, like a little bit deeper love. It doesn't, it does not work. And it is so uninspiring to women who do want to be in healthy relationships with men. I don't know why we can't have a healthy relationship with a man in a movie. I don't know when this became this thing that like is not allowed in movies anymore, but it's weird. This, I totally agree with this idea that, and, and I don't, I think they couldn't do it. Like, I mean, that would be kind of cool. Maybe, do it. maybe there's some point in the future where we can have the Barbie movie that is about the healthy integration of masculine and feminine. Cause like there's a, you know, the majority of the population, it's not everybody, but like, yeah, like, you know, feminine females and masculine males that want to have like a, a healthy, positive, you know, man, woman, intimate partnership. Cool. Yep. Well, in this movie, it is not about that. And you can't even make it about that. And it, right. And they you avoid- can't even give them one seat in the government. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't it's be like what they're trying on to men. do. They shit on yeah. yes, totally. But in a weird roundabout way, right? Like we all love Ken. <laughs> it it's sort of some people are sort of saying like it's accidentally conservative. This is another sort of theme out there in the discourse where I'm like, and you, you, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. But the accidental conservatism would be something like, hey, when 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 Ken tries to do the like simplistic version of the patriarchy, it actually doesn't work, right? Ken's development as a man is the more interesting plot line. And then in the end, Margot Robbie's decision is I want to go be a real woman. And the, the thing that de- defines that is her reproductive system, right? Like <laughs> and she is choosing to go into the real world and like make babies and grow old, right? Like that's what she wants to do. And like, and all the conservatives are like, it's a secretly conservative movie right on. Greta Gerwig, <laughs> right? Like, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think she was trying to do that, but the funny no. thing is, in all of her machinations to do what she was trying to do, she sort of accidentally did that. Like, I think it's kind of in there. And it reveals the confusion of the culture right now. It reveals yes. Yes. so much That's right. that this incredibly brilliant director who is a very sophisticated, I don't know how old she is. I think she's like women in her late, late thirties. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that this, that that all of these kind of roundabout things that we're talking about, like this is an example of what's going on. It's confused. Everybody's confused. Yes. That's great. That's such a great note to end and move on to Oppenheimer, except there's one more topic that we just need to at least touch on, but I do, but I love that 
analysis lens, I think that's right. Yep. It's it's an expression of how deeply confused we are. Totally. So the last piece I want to talk about just briefly is uh is corporate whitewashing. And I thought you were gonna say how hot Margot Robbie no, is. I'm not gonna say that, but uh, you know, <laughs> we can take that as red. You know, it's funny because you said like uh Ryan Gosling was note perfect and but R- Margot Robbie is also note perfect. So why aren't we raving about her in the same way? Because her story wasn't as good. She didn't have perfect notes. She was her acting was off. It was patchy. Really? I I didn't. Think oh so. yeah, she didn't no. sell it like Ryan Gosling. Okay, she was not totally Barbie. Interesting. I that I I didn't have that experience, but and I think she's like one of the most beautiful women out there right now. But I thought I was. There were a couple moments where I knew it was Margot Robbie, whereas Ryan Gosling was Ken. Okay. I have very high standards about acting. I have such high standards. That's right. And you know Barbie. I'm curious if anyone agrees with me. Maybe not. And and Barbie and I go way back. That's so maybe that's part of it is you have a deeper <laughs> sense of Barbie than than we do. But yeah, corporate corporate white like like this is worth touching on for sure. Yeah. So just that like okay, even so let's say that this is this kind of progressive feminist movie. Let's say it succeeded, right? Port your argument that like for a lot of people it you know it it really worked and kind of told this like empowering message for women that, that they took away and you know whatever um even if it did all of that it did it you know at the at the behest of the of a corporate overlord whose only interest is selling as many pieces of plastic as he can or as they can yes um and trying to you know uh, rehabilitate the image of this toy that has become increasingly understood as problematic over the years, and and so there's also this sense of like, wait, this isn't some progressive like from a capitalist, you know, whatever critique point of view, this is totally gross. It's like it's just like this gross exercise in like spending you know two hundred million dollars on a commercial that nets you a billion dollars just on the commercial. Plus, you know, Lindsay, I'm going to reveal something about you now. Like, Lindsay, after we finished watching the movie, went and bought bought two Barbies. I was just trying to find it to show you guys the Barbies that I bought after watching well, the movie. Yeah. And I'm sure you were far from alone in that, right? Like, many, many Barbies have been sold. Although hiding it from all of my hippie <laughs> friends. Holy shit. They will not. I can't show them to any of the toddlers. Uh-huh. Just to just to kind of throw that in there as well. Yeah, such a weird, such a weird result of that movie. I don't think it's a weird result. So, you know, I think whether they could have pulled that same thing off without depicting the Mattel executives, probably, you know, like in a way, like, that's sort of what they were there for. They were they were there where, where Mattel is basically saying like, hey, we're we're in on this joke. And yes, no matter what happens in this plot line, we're going to monetize whatever. We're going to monetize the Mojo Dojo Casa House. So it doesn't really matter. This is selling. Like, like they were, and what's funny about that, you know, if you think about, like you could, one view of this movie, which I also have seen, which I don't know if it totally works, is like, you could say, this is a lefty critique of corporate sort of woke washing or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's woke capitalism and this is what they do, right? They are going to pretend to be socially progressive so that you buy their product. It doesn't really matter that they aren't socially progressive, right? Like, and they're in a way, it's like actually sort of mock the whole movie is mocking that. Right. And, and in a way, like whether the movie does mock it, like, and it also does it at the same time, which in some sense you could say, 
is fucking genius. Like, I mean, it, it's really yeah. brilliant. From a, I mean, from a yeah. marketing commercial point of view, it's brilliant. And the and the the marketing leading up to the movie was extraordinary. I mean, this is not you incredible. Know, I have a friend who's been just talking about this that like every everywhere she turned, there was like Barbie stuff. Yeah, I, like leading up. So from a branding point of view, the whole exercise is a masterpiece. Yes, totally worked. Yeah, it's just like, do we want to encourage that kind of thing? We want to encourage. Well, they tried it. So I, I watched this documentary. It's on Hulu right now called Something Tiny Shoulders, which is also Mattel doing a documentary about some of these very, it's all women. It's all these progressive women trying to figure out how to make, to keep Barbie relevant. And that's when they kind of, change some of the body shapes they do multiple body shapes and like the, the movie sort of is depicting them kind of pulling it off like they get some good press at that time but like you know it was weak i mean i was not aware of the multiple shape body barbies like from five years ago you're not the target audience though. <laughs> no totally but what i'm saying is like if if mattel is trying to like recuperate something by doing something like making a documentary about, you know, the, the Barbie, the director of Barbie, who's this lesbian woman trying to like evolve Barbie in a progressive direction and kind of succeeding sort of like that versus what Greta Gerwig and Marco Robbie just did for the brand. This is way more successful than what, right, oh, yeah. than what they did. Right. Like, but it's not like they haven't been trying, right. It's sort of, this is another iteration of it. All right. Oppenheimer. I'm ready, bro. I hope we have less to say about switching gears. I have less to say about this. I have less to say about it. Um, which is it's interesting, right? That it's like this is the serious grown-up movie about historical whatever, and and I definitely it doesn't have quite as much cultural. Maybe I'm the one who has a lot to say about this. Yeah, movie. I fucking we'll loved it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and, and I'm just gonna say I'm gonna change the plan. I know earlier we said there was gonna be a spoiler section and non-spoiler section. That just felt really awkward to me doing the Bobby one. So. I think for Oppenheimer, we're just, it's, it's going to be spoiled. Yeah. Go, go see, see it. it. It's really good. So you yeah, go see go it. Go see it. And this is going to be spoils all the way. It's also no, harder no to way. spoil because, you know, it's history. Although there was definitely stuff. I, yeah. Like you kind of know, you kind of, you know, the, you know, the middle anyway. So Oppenheimer, uh, Poch, do you want to do a kind of brief recap? Yeah. Yeah. I'll recap Oppenheimer. Well, you know, it's about this guy. The name was Oppenheimer. He's a physicist and he's, Famous, infamous for being the director of the Manhattan Project, which created the atomic bomb uh, in World War II. And he did that out in New Mexico at a place called Los Alamos, which happened to be just a favorite place from his childhood. And that arguably changed history. It's sort of like the, the birth of the atomic age, the birth of the, the bomb. And the bomb sort of looms as this thing that, we, you know, we don't even know life without the bomb existing right? This kind of potential that like humanity could destroy itself is now there. So he runs this whole project with all these physicists and it kind of culminates in this dramatic moment where they do the Trinity test. In, and it basically happens around two thirds of the way through the movie, maybe even halfway. It's somewhere in a I, midpoint of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I think it's pretty much slap bang in the middle. I wouldn't be surprised if it is to the minute in the middle. I don't know, but yeah. 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 And that sort of is one of the structural things about it. I think that's kind of interesting. And, you know, the, the way that the plot is sort of told, it does these sort of headlines at the beginning, like fission and fusion. And there's essentially two interwoven plots. One is the plot line of Oppenheimer at a hearing in the 
forties or fifties where his yeah. security uh, security access is being revoked because he's whatever communist sympathizer supposedly. And then there's a bunch of flashbacks to the creation of the Manhattan project told from his point of view. That's part of the a plot or the vision plot. And the second plot is the fusion plot, which is a story about a confirmation hearing for the, a guy who was a former head of the atomic energy commission named Strauss played by Robert Downey Jr. And that story, it also has flashbacks from his hearing. So it's like these two hearings that are unfolding at two different time frames, And they're both flashing back to almost like this entanglement between their storylines. Cause they had a period of time where their lives overlapped kind of after, after the Trinity test, like the life of Oppenheimer overlapped quite a bit with the atomic energy commission in the U S and that's, and Strauss essentially gets, gets revealed in the end that he had manipulated circumstances to sort of forcibly uh, get Oppenheimer, his security clearance revoked, blackballed, yeah, blackballed, I mean, yeah. basically. Yeah. And then the question is like, why is he doing this? Is it sort of like at one level, it's kind of this personal injury where kind of like Oppenheimer at this congressional hearing is sort of like mocking whatever him or the atomic energy commission. And, or is it sort of one of these kind of like professional jealousy things sort of like, you know, the way Salieri was jealous of, of, uh, of Mozart in the movie Amadeus kind of like, you know, I don't get to be in the limelight. And so it's like, you know, cause I'm not the brilliant physicist. Right. And he's just trying to sort of ruin him out of professional jealousy. It's that sort of storyline is kind of in there. And in the end, you know, he basically kind of succeeds and, you know, the movie is me kind of tie it all together here. It's like, it is really about this man. It's less about the bomb. It's more about this man named Oppenheimer and him essentially, you know, the, the book is called American Prometheus, which is his bio that was the basis of this movie. And they do that, the title about Prometheus, they, they do a little title at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Prometheus is the mythical being who the, stole fire from the gods and gave it to humanity. And as punishment, the gods basically tortured Prometheus for eternity. Did they chain him to a rock and the bud eats his entrails? Is yeah. that what happens? Yeah. 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 And this is kind of like he is the Prometheus, right? His, he, takes the power of the atomic bomb and gives it to humanity. And then he's forever tormented for having done so for the rest of his life. And arguably he's, he's, he's trying to redeem himself by like opposing the H bomb or doing all of these sorts of things. He's tormented. You can sort of see that he's tormented. Is, does he regret it? Is he trying to just justify himself? Is he trying to like do enough penance to like make up for it? It's hard to say, but he is definitely tormented for the rest of his life like prometheus mm-hmm. that's it that's my summary that was helpful <laughs> reminds you of the movie yeah i was like there's something confusing about the movie and when you said there were flashbacks within the two hearings i'm like oh right i was tracking classic like even though this is a like an event christopher nolan still managed to like make my brain go in like multiple different channels and he just yeah, can't help yeah himself. so that was he that was helpful he can't help himself with that editing. He just he loves can't. nonlinearity. It's like his yeah. thing. It's been that way from the beginning, like with Memento and stuff. Right. He loves that. It's interesting. I mean, it's like a great device. Like it's, it makes it very interesting. So let's get some takes here. I did the summary. I want to hear your takes. So 
I, similar when you were talking about Barbie, like going in with expectations. So I went into the expectation that it was going to be gutting. I thought it was going to be absolutely horrifying gutting. I thought I was going to come away with like even more fear about nuclear weapons in the world. And I was going to see the impact of the nuclear bomb. And I was going to like get inside this man's mind. And I was just going to be fucked up. And I wasn't at all. I, I was like, I was mildly fucked up by the volume of the IMAX theater. <laughs> and it was I was so messed up by the shaking seats and the migraine I was getting from the IMAX theater that we had to go to a second theater. We had to like go and start. So we watched the first half twice. You bailed on IMAX partway through. We bailed on IMAX, bought tickets, went to our regular home movie theater and we got in and I was like, Robbie, I am so peaceful. This is like the most peaceful movie watching experience ever. And because I had been through hell in the IMAX theater. And then, so I don't know if it was that. And, you know, there was, there, it was climactic in the way that his movies are. I loved the climax. I thought it was so well done. I think he does climax just so amazing. I just love his version of that, of, of the, of the climactic event in a movie. But like, I left being like, I don't know how he feels about his impact on the world at all. And I get that that's his personality, but like, really, we're not talking about the impact at all. Like I feel fine. And like, that was the kind of a lightweight Christopher Nolan mm. movie. And I thought the acting was incredible and I thought it was well done. Mm -hmm. I think some, some, some parts similar, some parts a little different. Like I, um, and I think I probably set you up to think it was gutting because I was reading these reports, early reviewers and people, and I think Christopher Nolan saying that people were walking out of the early showings and they were speechless and they were devastated. And like, so I was going in with this and I was saying to Lindsay, like, I'm scared, like, oh man, this is going to be intense. And, and really going in with this sense of like, oh God, this is going to be mm -hmm. harrowing and it's, and it's going to be one of these movies that, you know, that, that kicks the crap out of you and leaves you not feeling very well for a while. And, and I also felt like, yeah, like a little, like, you know, there's this build up, and it starts off like that. And I was kind of anxious, like the first 20 minutes when he's having kind of mental problems, he like tries to poison his professor and he's like, just having all this anxiety. And then this kind of intensity of like, he's, you know, learning physics. And I thought that opening sequence is fantastic. And yeah, like, kind of terrifying and and mm. and you know and then building up to this climax that i i think it's in the midpoint where they they test the bomb and like even and you know they they really kind of set you up to be like is it gonna work even though like you know that the trinity test happened it worked but like you don't know and like they kind of have one shot and it's this whole thing and like are they all gonna be blinded are they all gonna is the world gonna catch on fire like this is whole yeah. thing and then you know and then it happens and it's this it's it's weird and like people have talked about the scale and that he specifically shot it in a way to make it like impossible to understand the scale of the explosion and there's all this stuff that yeah and they and they do i mean the sound design is fantastic they do all this really wild mm. stuff with sound they have like they have there's there's one moment i can't remember exactly how they use it but they like use a clip of Florence Pugh's character breathing during the sex scene. Mm -hmm. They like splice that sound into some completely unrelated moment in the movie. Like they're doing stuff like that. That's just like wild. And, and it's I think the breathing really cool. when they detonate, right. It's silence except for 
The breathing. Uh, breathing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Incredible. I that. Yeah. So stuff like that is just like that's, that's him, him, and it's and it's a next level, and it's this kind of playing with 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 the 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 synesthetic reality of of consciousness that he's he's creating a dream and you're walking into a dream and he's playing with it in this way that is you know and so like i said like he he hasn't made a bad movie and and so it kind of hits that bar and then after the explosion there's this you know another hour and a half or whatever i don't know is it three hours long it's almost three hours three hours i think it's, it's three a, hours it's over three hours yeah yeah so so there's another hour and a half which is about this kind of very small stakes political kind of drama. The mm-hmm. court it's like a courtroom drama or it's like, you know, like and that's fine like that and it's an interesting it's not you know the the uh House of American Activities Committee stuff like like that stuff is creepy and weird and it's interesting and I do want people to tell stories about that. But my main problem with the movie is that it did like it kind of blew its load, and then and it and it climaxed halfway through, and then it was the long time afterwards that was kind of anticlimactic, and a lot of people talking in rooms and and with like pretty low stakes and kind of somewhat confusing stakes, although not not too bad. And then, you know, and then it has this kind of punchline at the end. And that's where I differ a little bit from you, Lynch, that I was left with a kind of, I do think that the punchline, which this is a big spoiler if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you know, and it's is that at the end, he, he says to Einstein, you know, we were worried that we would set off a, that, that detonating the bomb might set off a chain reaction that, that destroyed the world. And then the, the punchline is, I think we did, you know. Or I, th- I just yeah, I think we do. I think we might have or something. And that's kind of you know that's the thing he says to Einstein that freaks Einstein out, so that Einstein snubs Robert Downey Jr. So that Robert Downey Jr. gets pissed off with with uh, Oppenheimer. But just the moment that has him want to really take revenge on him, right? That kind of yeah, or at least sets that that sticks in his. If I ah, I missed that. I think I checked. I think I didn't. Follow the he's whole so, movie. <laughs> he's so egocentric because Einstein like frowns at him while walking past. Right. He doesn't. He Einstein just, yeah. doesn't acknowledge so, him. He, yeah. So obviously Oppenheimer said something shitty about me to Einstein. Yeah. It was nothing yeah. to do with him. Right. But he gets so bent out of shape that like decades later he like schemes this whole thing to like take away Oppenheimer's security clearance because he's so he doesn't like him personally. I thought he was great. I thought Robert Downey did an amazing Incredible. job. Yeah. yeah. So I guess maybe there's something about me trying to like sell what it worked, what really worked about all of that for me. Cause I get that there's this whole way that the second half is anticlimactic. And I guess it really matters if you buy into the Promethean story of it, right? It's about him. It's about mm-hmm. how yeah. he's tortured for the him. rest of his life. Right. Like that for doing what he did. Right. This is why the second half is potentially interesting. Right. Like and like in the end, I think there's this comment that um, his wife makes, Emily Blunt. She's just like, I think you're just going in there and letting them walk all over you because you feel guilty about what you did and you're trying to like make up for it somehow. Mm hmm. 
and and she's like, and it doesn't. It's not going to really matter. No, like nobody's going to really remember. Are you really going? to, I can't remember the comment. It's like, it's like, are you? Is this really going to absolve your conscience? Like, it's almost kind of proposing that question to him. And like, and in a way, he's just kind of like, I don't know, right? Well, I don't know. Like, is this enough self torment? Maybe you're right. Maybe that is what I'm doing. Am I going to be free of this? Right? Like, I, I don't know. He became very famous. Like he's like, he has a platform. Like I fucking made the atomic bomb. Right. And I'm going to use this platform to like mm -hmm. speak out against like the usage of the bomb and the creation of the H bomb. And like, people are going to listen to me and respect me because I'm the guy that made it. Right. Right. It's in the movie, but it's very kind of slightly in the movie. Like, sure. It's n like you don't get a big sense of that. Like you get a big sense of this. Yeah, I think it's I, the the Prometheus kind of angle. I think makes a lot of sense. That, but it's like, oh man, like do we just want to watch somebody get tortured in this like black and white room in this very abstract way for ninety minutes? Like I get formally what it's about and that you have this explosion in the middle everything leading up to it and then the explosion in the middle and then him being pecked to death by the vultures but like it doesn't actually work as cinema for 90 minutes it's too fucking long like and 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 i think that nolan he and i don't know that it's exactly and we should look this up if, it's, if in fact Let's just look it up real quick. Like what minute the bomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just gonna look it up. Um, yeah, look it up. All right. Well, I'm gonna. I for some reason I can't find that information. So I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that it's at the exact midpoint and that Nolan sacrificed something about the movie for a formal, formalist like gag, which sure. is I'm gonna put this thing right in the middle. That means I have to find 90 minutes of stuff on the back end of it to match the 90 minutes on the front end. And he didn't have 90 minutes of stuff. Like, they they just could have cut 20 minutes. That's not what I he did. I think that, that's what he did. I think that's what he did. We got to figure it out, but I think that's what he did. And so then you have 20 or 30 minutes to... That that end segment was just 20 minutes too long. <laughs> I, have two things to say. I have two things to say about this, Robbie. One is, I would not put it past him there was a lot of formalistic aspects to there always are to his movies, but especially yeah. this one, I think there was a lot of structural things and like, it could have been a structural gag and it would make total sense. Um, and whether it sort of like works thematically to do that structural gag is a question. And I think it really matters if it works or not, if the second half of the movie is compelling. And for me, I was totally riveted all the way to the end of the movie. Yeah. Like I was like, Whoa, mm. okay. There was never a point for me. Where I was like, this is dragging on too long. I was just like, whoa. Like, and I'll share with you why it worked for me. So, I mean, it's it's a lot about sort of fate. And like if if you think of if you think of him as the bomb being almost a metaphor for him, it's sort of you know, it's like this weird thing, right? The the beginning part, it's like there's this sweep of history that is just like this bomb is gonna happen some way or another, right? It was Einstein and Sizzlard, the guy that built the pile at the University of Chicago, who wrote this letter even before, I think it was even before Germany invaded Poland. Like, hey, 
those Nazis are crazy motherfuckers and they're going to build a bomb unless we do one. Cause all the science was just laying around. Right. Mm -hmm. And they all knew it. Right. Like, and that's when they started this project and it wasn't until Oppenheimer came along to kind of like make it all happen. that it really kind of took off. But like, that was that idea for that project was around for a very long time. And it's like, he just, it's like, there's this, the forces of history moving forward. And it's like, if it's not him, it's going to be somebody, right. He's like, just the person he is the vehicle, right. For this. Mm -hmm force of whatever it is and like i do i also don't think there's any surprise that he loved the bag of ad Gita and he quotes it i think by the way that is the dumbest part of the movie when so he quotes dumb. it having sex having, but like that's <laughs> he does say that at the test supposedly or soon after. was it at the test i thought yeah i thought it was in an interview after or interview. he i think he i think he thought it at the what he says later in an interview is that he that passage ran through his mind which the fact that like, I always found that, even before I ever saw the movie, I always found that slightly suspect. I'm like, you know the Bhagavad Gita well enough that in this moment of, like, this crazy peak moment of your life, this quote from, from this Sanskrit text runs through your head of, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Like, it, it always seemed slightly suspect to me that, like, did you think it at the time or did you go read your book later and be like, oh, that would have been a good thing to think at the time? Well, here's why I think maybe, because he, you know, he was into, like, learning Sanskrit and he did sure. actually read it in the original Sanskrit. He fucking taught himself Sanskrit. Like, I'm sure he read it. I don't, I yeah, believe that. Yeah, but, but the story, yeah. right, is essentially is it Arjuna? Arjuna is like getting ready to go into battle. And Krishna is like this avatar of one of the gods, maybe the peak God or something. And he's like, Hey, like, and I think essentially Arjuna is sort of having this spiritual crisis about going forth and killing a bunch of people in war. And more or less the God is like, no man, that's your job. It's okay. It's your karma. Feel good about it, right? Like this is what it's not surprising that he's glomming on to this particular character, like saying that thing. Mm. Because I think he just thinks of himself as that way. Mm -hmm. Right? Like somebody's gonna do it. It might as well be me because I know the right people, or I'm in the right place at the right time, or I can inspire other physicists to do shit together and I can get them all and I out to Los Alamos to, you know, like I, I can do it. So he just does it and like. And I think he like the first is he just rides this thing up until that moment. And then after he does it, he's just, especially after they drive the bombs off and then drop them. There's a moment when he's speaking and he's like, Hey, we did it, you know, like, and, 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 just, and that's when he starts having these weird visions. Mm -hmm. To me, this is his conscience is just, just pounding at his psyche. Like mm -hmm. what the fuck did you do? And like, that is the moment where it becomes almost the most surreal and yeah. it's like he's having a meltdown. And that that sequence is by far my favorite part of the movie. Like that when he's giving this kind of he's giving this rally like speech, this kind of cheerleading, like we did it, we won, you know, because and this is just after the bombs were dropped in Japan. And he's, you know, and he's doing this speech. And meanwhile, yeah, like I think that's a great way of describing it. His conscience is battering at the at the door and it's it's that's harrowing and i and i think maybe my disappointment and this is you know i i can let it go and well whatever but 
I wanted that to keep going. I wanted more of that. I wanted it to become, I wanted it to be like mother, right? You know how mother yes, starts yes. off and it kind of makes sense. And then it gradually escalates into increasingly insane amounts of horror and yeah. suffering. I wanted the rest of the movie to be that. And I understand that isn't the story. Like he didn't become like the way that he was tortured was not in a kind of in a in that psychological nightmarish way at least that we know about right what we know about with the way he was tortured is in these other ways so i think maybe there's just you know you can't tell a story that isn't you know he's trying to you know nolan's trying to take the real historical thing and tell that story yes. but i and so I think the real story, and this you said this to me when we talked about this before, Poch, is like he he's choked it down, like he swallowed it, and he you know took that conscience and tried to turn it into activism, which also is not quite in the movie, although it's more in the movie than the other stuff. I just like I'm a sucker for a surrealistic horror movie, so when you drop a scene like that in, I'm like, oh god, like are we gonna go into like just absolute, just like nightmarish heart and and then you know we we don't and like you know i think it's interesting as well and to say you know like it's kind of as i'm saying that i'm also thinking about like japan and the real human lives of which there were thousands and thousands and tens of thousands the the you know people died in those bombings and like it was interesting that they didn't put that in the movie and like you know if that had been the horrifying thing that had been in the movie, I think that would have been, and I kind of, you know, that would have been very difficult. And it's, you know, and maybe there's some, you know, you can say, well, it's from his perspective. He wasn't there. He didn't right. see it all. He got, he heard it on the radio, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like Nolan's doing that, but then Nolan also gets to avoid what otherwise would have been like, how do you film that from that perspective? without it just feeling like the most crass, gross, voyeuristic kind of like right. sensationalism. Well, and it, it borders on the yeah, sensationalism right. in that movie, in that scene you really like, where it's like he's stepping on the ashen right. corpses and the people's faces are peeling off. Right, right. But it, it, sure, but it does that. And so maybe I'm a terrible person, but it does that in a way that's surreal and abstract enough and enough yes. about, his mind right yes, it's yes. about his mind and i'm like okay that's how we're gonna do this we're gonna do the horror through his his horror that yes. that's gonna work that's a that's a less kind of gross way of doing it than just actually you know making a movie about about the the actual bombings from this point of view it's not like you couldn't make a movie about that and people have but but then they didn't Right, they they did it in that one scene, and then they kind of went and did something else. I just got to say a couple other talking about dumb. So the the sex scene where he reads to her from the Bhagavad Gita is just like, bah. like I laughed out loud. Um, so dumb. The other there's a, two other parts where there's a part where they're they're hanging out, and it's like it's his favorite. They're just hanging out in the desert with these buddies, his brother and his friend, and they're like, you know, this is my favorite place in the world. And then it's like. As the camera's fading out, the guy says, what's it called? Or something like that. And he's like, Los Alamos. And it's just this like, you know, and and then they do, we actually drove through Los Alamos not too long ago. Oh, um, it, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, we it's, did. You know, it's still an army base. Did you go to the monument? Ground we Zero? Didn't, 
Okay. No, we were just driving through. We were going somewhere else, and we just kind of we we didn't even know. We just were. I was, we were driving through, and then suddenly it's like Los Alamos military facility. Don't stop, and like it's like oh, okay, I guess we're here. Um, anyway, and then the other, the, which is very similar to that, was the scene where uh, where Strauss doesn't get uh elected to the Senate or what? Well, I can't remember what he's get getting. Cabinet, it's a cabinet hearing, cabinet approval. He wants to be the energy secretary for the right. He wants to be the secretary, and 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 he doesn't get appointed. And there's some that you know, there are a few senators that just uh that switched their their changed their minds at the last minute. A couple, you know, uh, you know, there's this one guy, a little a little senator by the name of John F. Kennedy, and it's just like it, it reminds me of the you know, the meme where it's like, and that young man's name, Albert Einstein. It has this just like <laughs> Like, okay, it's. I'm glad that I now know that JFK was involved in that in some way. But it also is just like it's these moments where Nolan is uh, a little cheesy, just like on the nose and kind of like totally. What one way he did this that I think totally worked was like this is one of those movies where you're like, oh, that movie star is in it. Oh, there's Matt Damon. There's Gary Uh Oldman. There's you're like all Uh these people. Like, man, it's amazing. And like that experience in the audience, kind of recognizing these huge stars. Yeah. He's a little bit like that time in history, right? Like it was just like, oh my God, right. this is now mm-hmm. Einstein and there's Kurt right. Gardel and there's the guy that invented that. And there's the guy yeah. that discovered that. And like, and you're just sort of like, they all did really. They, they were so all together and, and meet and each other. Was, like that. JFK was part he of was that there, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a little yeah. bit like that. Couple of things that Kurt Gödel, like I've just loved that. It's like such a totally. fucking like fan service nerd drop that like, you know, the, there are going to be people in the audience that are like, ah, it's Kogano. And then there's totally. going to be people that are like, just, oh, this, I don't, just not understanding. You know. Completely over my head. Yeah. They yeah. used to go on walks together through the Princeton kind of like, you know, right. trails. They used to do right. that all the time. Yeah. And the other fan service, the other nerd fan service is Richard Feynman yep. playing, Richard the Feynman playing the bongos. Exactly. Like, Richard Feynman playing, playing the bongos. Like, it's Richard Feynman, guys. Yeah. Totally, totally. And and he doesn't I don't think he has a line. Like he's no, definitely he, not introduced. No, they don't use his name either. You just no, have to exactly. know that's Richard Feynman. You, you, yeah. If you know if you know it's Richard Feynman, you know it's Richard And I was like, ah, it's Richard Feynman playing the bongos. Exactly. And it's <laughs> so that's fun. I mean, I love that. And then Gary Oldman, just so you named Gary Oldman. That scene is fucking incredible. <laughs> like he's so good, but he's so good in that scene. As he's the president. He's uh is it Eisenhower? Who is it? Truman. Uh, Truman, yeah, Truman. He's like, I'm the one that dropped the bomb, right? Like, I'm right. the one who decided. I'm the mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, get yeah. this crybaby out of here. Yeah. So, so let me just come back to my theme and maybe, and there's not much more to say about it, but like, this to me is why it works. And I'll say, like, that, that moment, the surrealism where, you know, he's seeing the corpses is speculative, right? We don't, because we can't have direct access to other people's subjectivity in this way. This is the one place where it's like, um, Nolan is going like maybe something like this or like, you know, if if you had to imagine being that person that knows you just did that. Right. And then all these fucking thousands of people died. Like what would it maybe just feel like directly? But then the rest of it is sort of just like what we do have historical access to, which is like the decisions and the choices and the things that he said and did afterwards until he died. Right. And like, in a way, if you sort of, look at it from this point of view that he is paying penance. He's trying to rationalize or justify what he did, or he's trying to balance it out in some way. 
right? Like, or he's his tormented conscience, like the Prometheus thing or whatever. Like it is related to that moment, right? It's like the, the horror of what he has done. And now he's just has that forever. Mm -hmm. And he's just now, if it was the forces of history in from the beginning up to the middle, when it detonated, this is sort of like the, the aftermath Right. And mm -hmm. we all live in the aftermath of whatever we're, maybe you know, the cold war and all of that. But like, this is his own personal aftermath. And in a way mm -hmm. his is sort of different than the rest of ours. Like we're sort of like, Oh God, I guess, you know, maybe nuclear war can happen. And we can all die. And he's, his aftermath is like, I did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that do to a person? And I think, the other thing that's interesting, and maybe there's a little bit of a tie back to Barbie here, if I can do it, like the movie never really gives you, like he does never spells out his own psychology. Mm. Right. Like, right. No, it never like finalizes no, anything, but it's so much about his psychology. That's what's so weird. It's, it's yeah. like super up. Like how much of his fucking face just filled the whole screen mm -hmm. for so many minutes of that movie. And you're mm -hmm. like, this is about this man and his relationship to what he did. But it's remains sort of impenetrable. Like it just remains kind of inscrutable. Mm -hmm. It's like, we could just talk about it all we want or observe whatever he did, but it's sort of like, he's sort of on another plane. He is a little bit like a demigod of some kind. Like we can't know. Mm -hmm. There's only one of him in the whole history of people. And Barbie's realizing her impact on she like the movie actually is about realizing her impact on girls and like being horrified by she thought it was great she thought barbie was great mm. it was actually a terrible bomb in the female psyche <laughs> yes there you go of body image i mean eating disorders everywhere right. she's grappling with her own aftermath yeah i mean that would have been an interesting movie <laughs> <laughs> like for her to actually be confronted with that stuff with eating disorders. Just fun fact. So let's do the, let's, that's is a great segue. Let's do the unifying. Mm -hmm. uh, fun fact. I just learned this from a, a TikTok. So is this true? Is this not? I don't know. It, it seemed pretty plausible. Barbie was modeled off of a German toy. Yes. Who is, was a, an adult toy. It was not for mm -hmm. little girls. And she was a toy version. She's called Lily. She was a toy version of a sex worker, of a gold digger, essentially. So, so there was this cartoon character that was Lily, this gold digger, and she was, you know, trying to get into bed with men and get money out of them. And, you know, as an adult, whatever, newspaper cartoon, and they made toys of her, which look remarkably like OG Barbie. And apparently the creator of OG Barbie visited Germany. Yep. And then a few months later came back and, uh, and made the OG Bobby. So wow. it's just a fun fact. I don't know what we do with that. Here's a point of a tenuous point of connection that I, I just noticed. So Frankenstein is subtitled the modern Prometheus and mm -hmm. um, you know, Bobby, the Bobby movie in a way is kind of a Frankenstein type deal. They made this creature and it's like, you know, it's not human, but it wants to just have a human life. Yes. And, and you know, the modern Prometheus. So in a way they're both, sort of kind of riffs on on prometheus i think that's pretty tenuous but there's a link yeah there's some link and there's a you know if i mean prometheus doesn't ever sort of like want to be mortal but he sort of has this like there's a demigod like quality to both barbie and to oppenheimer right there's like mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, but in Frankenstein, Prometheus is Doctor Frankenstein, right? He's yes. he's the modern Prometheus. He's bringing this new technology. And Oppenheimer is definitely Doctor Frankenstein. And then yes. in the Bobby movie, it would be Ruth. Will Ferrell. Or sure, Ruth. That yeah, little yeah, yeah. Lady. That's right. It would be Ruth. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't know the impact she was having on making that Barbie. I mean, it is, it is a female empowerment thing. Like at that time, Ruth was totally an unusual person. Like for to be, she was an executive. She was running the business. She was the business person. Her husband was the creative one. Like she, it was, and that was just unheard of in the fifties. All these photos of Ruth, and it's just like she's just surrounded by like nineteen fifties dudes in their little suits and ties, and it's just her. She's the only woman. She's like, mm. I want to make a doll about me in a way. Yeah. Mm. I think there's something about the inscrutability of their psychology that also is parallel, maybe not for good reasons in Barbie. Like, like Barbie is sort of like vapid. She's just a, you know, here's the here's thing. In a way, you know, Barbie is just this vehicle of historical forces and projections and like our ideas about, you know, like think feminism and the role of women and blah, blah, blah. But her herself and her own psychology, she's sort of, she doesn't really know what she wants. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. have original yeah. whatever and there is sort of a way that oppenheimer is has essentially just succumbed to the forces of history he just allowed himself in some way or another to be a vehicle of this kind of fatalistic thing yeah i mean that's interesting because he begins like we get a sense of his interior world until we don't and then we and then it goes away right like a maybe that yeah like, that's the thing he loses well it also goes away because his wife gets upset about his affairs right it has to go away because of mm. his i mean the main way they show it going away is his love affair kind of mm. getting shut mm. down yeah i mean part of it too is like once he gets into the project he just be you know he just becomes almost an automaton you know and he builds this little land i mean that's my favorite part of the movie other than the climb the bomb going off is building his barbie little land it's a little barbie land <laughs> his barbie land his barbie land <laughs> They have a post yeah. office and a and a bar. And they're all locked in there. They couldn't leave. That's part of why he did that. And they're all in. He, he brought them all to this place where nobody would have any reason to go anywhere. And you could just like build a fence around it and stop them from leaving. That's right. That's funny. That's okay. Right. okay. Yeah. Any last thoughts? Uh, okay. Overall, let me just ask you this. Which one did you like better? And maybe this is a similar question. Like, which one are you excited to see again or plan on seeing again? Okay, I have a really complex answer to this. So I liked Barbie mm-hmm. better, and I'm more excited to see Oppenheimer mm. again. I like that answer. And I think Oppenheimer is a way better movie, but I just can't get over how much I laughed out loud at Barbie. That is just too fun. <laughs> Oppenheimer was not a real LOL experience. <laughs> not a lot of laughing in there. No. Except for when you're putting the bag of Ed Gita and having sex. I, I also, I just want to also say about Oppenheimer, I'm realizing like, we experienced it, I think, well, I definitely experienced it as overly long. And and I'm just thinking about, well, also, we did see the first 45 minutes twice, like, on the same night. So, like, so I'm also, I'm very excited to see Oppenheimer again in a few months, all in one go. Me too. And, and when I feel rested and with the adjusted expectations, right, with the sense mm-hmm. of, like, okay, without this kind of whatever it was that I yeah like this is about him and and we can just take in the 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 beauty of this movie about this man so so i would say i'm excited to see oppenheimer again i don't know that i will see barbie again if i do it'll be a long time from now and yeah i liked oppenheimer better i think it'd be fun to see barbie again i don't feel like 
this like urge to see it again. I mean, I think I would laugh and it was sort of, Hey, let's watch Barbie. If it was like the right mix of people, you know what I mean? It'd become like, yeah, like it's like, if we were together, like let's just watch Barbie again. That could be fun to do with you guys. But with Oppenheimer, I'm like, I have to see that again. (laughs) You can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. And I did like it better. Like right. My first, like leaving the theater kind of feeling was like, I like this movie better. I think it's a better movie, but Barbie really stuck with me like in a weird way. Like I've been mulling Barbie over and whatever in the internet discourse on Barbie way more than Oppenheimer. So, yeah, I mean, you've been sending me like so many videos and links and like every, every day I get a new, like, Hey, look at this take on Bobby. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Uh, last comment, just so that everybody knows, Lindsay is wearing a beautiful pink dress for this recording, which nobody can see, but she came out in full Bobby force. Barbie core is what they call it. Thank Barbie core. And, and Pochelli and I are both wearing under, we're both wearing uh baggy suit pants which are pulled up to our nipples and fedoras <laughs> all right well thanks for hanging out with us today thank you porch thank you Lindsay. yeah you guys make me like movies even more like i enjoy them so much but then talking about them with you i like oh yeah i don't know i it, it comes alive for me even more makes me like watching movies more everybody should have a robbie and a porch in their consuming movie culture corner well now they can that's right Woo! yeah so, and if you're listening, like, let us know what you thought. I would love to hear takes. Yeah, you can reach me if you go to podoflions.com. There is a, there's an email form on there. And I will for sure pass it on to, to these guys. And, uh, and if, and yeah, we might, we might start some conversations. But yeah, we'd just love to hear what you all thought of the two movies. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, have a great life, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye.